But if we could this evening, with the Lord's help, turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read. The Gospel according to John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. And if you read again in verse 5. John 14 and verse 5. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. I want to begin this evening by asking you the very simple question. Why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? What is it that brings you into this building on a Sunday evening? What reason do you have for coming here? What is it that draws you to this place? What causes you, what is it that causes you to leave the comforts of your own home on a Sunday evening and come and sit in this old building and listen to someone preach to you? Why do you come to church? Why are you here tonight? Why did you come? But you know, I think there's a deeper question we need to ask. And I guess that when we answer this question, we'll know why we come to church. Because the deeper question we need to ask is, when you die, where are you going? When you die, where are you going? And in the context of today, it's a very fitting question. When you die, where will you spend eternity? Will you spend eternity in heaven or will you spend eternity in hell? For it was one commentator who said, only a fool would be unprepared for the inevitability of death. Especially as statistics show that the mortality rates in the world are 100%. My friend, it's not if you die. It's when you die. When you die, where are you going? And I will hazard a guess as to your answer to that question because you'll, you'll probably say, I hope to go to heaven. And if you hope to go to heaven, then that's probably the reason why you are in church tonight. You don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. You don't want to spend eternity tormented in hell because of your sin. And you know that without Christ, that's what will happen. And so we are here in church, in this, this missionary house tonight. Because deep down, we all want to go to heaven. We all want to go to heaven. But here's another question. If you hope to go to heaven when you die, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? 
Because in this statement from the lips of Jesus, there is only one way to heaven. There are no alternative routes. The only way is through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is saying to us, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And my friend, if you are serious about salvation, if you care about your eternal well-being, then you'll be coming to church for the same question that Thomas asked. Because Thomas asked, Lord, how can we know the way? And that's the question I want us to ask this evening. As we come and look at this, I am saved. Because I want us to ask Jesus tonight. I want us to ask Jesus, Lord, how do I get to heaven? Lord, how do I get to heaven? And as you can see from this, I am saying in verse 6, Jesus has three things to tell us in order to get to heaven. But it's not three things that we have to do in order to get to heaven. It's three things about the identity of Jesus Christ. Because that's what all of these I am sayings in John's Gospel are about. And we've seen that time and time again, that their, their purpose is to reveal the identity of Jesus. And in this I am saying where Jesus answers Philip's question, Lord, how do I get to heaven? Jesus answers it by asserting to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And this evening I'd like us to consider this I am statement under these three simple headings. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So we look firstly at Jesus' statement, I am the way. I am the way. And when we consider all of the I am sayings which we have looked at in John's Gospel, out of them all this is perhaps the most well-known saying. But, but at the same time it's probably the most exclusive and the most offensive of all of the I am sayings of Jesus. That's not to say that the other I am statements of Jesus are not exclusive. And we, we've seen that when we've looked at them. Because we, we've looked at what Jesus declared when he, when he declared, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And next time we will look at the statement in the opening verse of John 15 where Jesus says, I am the true vine. And with each of these I am saints, Jesus is revealing his identity as the eternal Son of God. And they are exclusive statements because no one else can and no one else ever will make these claims. But when we come to this statement, I am the way, the truth and the life. We have to admit that it is without doubt the most exclusive and the most offensive of all of the I am saints. In fact, it's probably the most exclusive statement that has ever been made by anyone. And I say that because this I am statement, it cuts through every other religion, every other philosophy, every other sect that has ever been presented to mankind. Because this saying of Jesus categorically states that there is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. And so when we come and ask Jesus, Lord, how do I get to heaven? 
He's saying to us, I am the only way. I am the only way. And just in case we don't understand what he means by this, Jesus clarifies what he means. And he, he says, no one comes to the Father. No one can come to the Father's house, the place of many mansions, except through me. And this clear statement of Christianity is what separates Christianity from all the other religions of the world. And when I say Christianity, my friend, I mean the Reformed, Evangelical, Protestant Christianity which is presented to us in the Word of God. A Christianity and a salvation which can only be received by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, he's affirming to us that every other religion, every other idol, every other god, every other sect, and every other cult, and every other faith belief, and every other attempt to get to heaven is completely and utterly false. They are all the wrong way. And what we must see as Jesus reveals his identity is that he is unique. He is absolutely unique. Because he doesn't say, I am our. He doesn't even say, I am one of many ways to heaven. He says, I am the way. I am the only way and there is no other way except through me. And what Jesus is saying to us is that every other religion, every other sect, every other cult in the world, it's the wrong way. It's the wrong way. And Jesus is saying that, he's saying that, that he is the only way. And by saying that he's the only way, he's closing off every other way to heaven. He's not one possible religious way amongst a host of other possible religious ways. He doesn't say that we can take our pick of world religions and choose him if we like. Or many people will tell you that Jesus is only one of many ways to heaven. But that's not, but that's not what Jesus says. He says, I am the way. I am the only way. And many will tell you that it doesn't matter what religion you follow. You'll all get to heaven eventually. But Jesus says, if we do not choose him, we cannot be saved. If we do not choose him, heaven is not an option. And what Jesus wants to make clear to us is that the choice is not between the religion that Jesus offers and the religions that others offer. The choice is, being, is between having Jesus as the way to God or not coming to God at all. The choice is between the only way or the wrong way. And what all these religions and sects will tell you is that it's all about doing. It's all about what you do for God and earn your way into heaven. Because the Muslim will tell you that your good deeds, they have to outweigh all your bad deeds in order to keep Allah happy and get to heaven. The Buddhists will point out to you that you need to pray more to reach your state of nirvana. The Hindu will tell you that you need to worship all these gods to reach the perfect state of karma. But then there are the sects that present to you the view that we need Jesus plus all the other things. The Jehovah's Witness will tell you that 
There is only enough space in heaven for a chosen 144,000. But even to get into that number, you must learn about kingdom history and keep the laws of Jehovah and be, be loyal to God's government. And in order to secure a place in heaven, you must spread the news about the kingdom and do door-to-door proselytizing. Then the Mormon will tell you that in order to reach the highest heaven, you must believe in God and believe in Jesus, repent of your sins, be baptized in the church, become a a member of the Latter-day Saints, receive the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands. And on top of that, you must obey the Mormon word of wisdom and all of God's commandments and complete certain temple rituals, including marriage. And after that, you will become a God and give birth to spirit children who return to earth as the souls of the living. You have to do all these things. Then to top all of these other religions, there's the new religion of Scientology, which all the celebrities have followed. There is also Sikhism, Toism and Shinto, just to name a few more. But my friend, the greatest deceiver of them all is the religion of the Roman Catholic Church. And I do not say that lightly. I say it because many have fallen into the trap of believing that the way into heaven is through Jesus plus. Jesus plus me. Jesus plus the saints. Jesus plus the prayers of the Pope. Jesus plus the cardinals. Jesus plus the confession of the priest. Jesus plus paying for your sins to be forgiven. Jesus plus the mass. Jesus plus purgatory. Jesus plus, Jesus plus, Jesus plus. But you know my friend, do you know what's wrong with every one of these other religions and sects? Is that they all say that Jesus is not enough for them. Jesus is not enough for them. And some people might be convinced into thinking that these religions are worth worth following just because many of its followers are so strict on their outlook and so fervent in their worship. But it doesn't matter how fervent they are in their religion and how faithful they are in their prayers to Allah and how many times they take mass and how many doors they knock on and how many times they repeat all their laws. Jesus is saying it's all in vain. It's all in vain. Because someone once said the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world is that all other religions are about man trying to reach up to God. But the beauty of Christianity is that it's about God reaching down to man. It's about God reaching down to man. And that's what grace is, my friend. It's about God reaching down to a lost mankind. That's what the grace of God is. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God's riches freely given to us without having to work or earn or pay your way into heaven. It's given to us all because of Jesus Christ. For the Bible clearly states to us the wages of sin is death. 
but the free gift. The free gift which is there for the taking. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's the key difference between Christianity and every other religion of the world. Because every other religion says works, but Jesus says grace. Every other religion says do, Jesus says done. Every other religion says live in fear as to whether God will accept you or not on the day of judgment. Jesus says fear not, only believe. Every other religion says you must earn the reconciliation of God. Jesus says you are reconciled to God because I became sin for you. Every other religion says keep working for your salvation. Jesus points us to Calvary and says it is finished. It is finished. And so when we come and ask Jesus... Lord, how do I get to heaven? He's saying, I am the way. I am the way. And my friend, if Jesus is the only way, and all other religions are false, then what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? I am the way. That's the first claim which Jesus makes regarding his identity. But secondly, Jesus claims, I am the truth. I am the truth. And this is yet another exclusive and offensive claim from the lips of Jesus. Because Jesus is not only saying that he is the only way to heaven, but he's also saying that he's the only truth worth believing. And his claim, I am the truth, it implies that every other thought and every other theory about the purpose and meaning to life is false. For his claim, I am the truth, it asserts that every other reason as to why we are here is a lie. Every other declaration and presentation of the truth, which is contrary to Jesus' declaration, is in fact a lie. And so when we come and ask Jesus, I would question, when we come and ask him, Lord, how do I get to heaven? He says, I am the truth. I am the truth. And what I am telling you is the truth. And it's the absolute truth. For my truth is not one possible truth among a host of other possible truths. My truth is the absolute truth. And the truth which Jesus sets before us in the pages of Scripture is that mankind is in a ruined condition. We are corrupted by our sin. We are fallen creatures. Mankind has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Where we are corrupted to the core, the wages of sin is death. And the truth is in our first beginning, we are fit to be damned, not to be blessed. We are fit to be lost, not to be saved. We are fit for hell, not for heaven. But Jesus is standing before us on the pages of Scripture and saying to us, and I think this is the greatest truth that we will ever hear, because he's saying to us, I am the remedy. 
to you. I am, the, I am the remedy to you. And the truth Jesus sets before us is that there is a heaven to be gained and a hell to be shown. And it's interesting that at this point in John's Gospel, Jesus speaks about heaven. Where he talks with his disciples about the Father's house and, and the place of many mansions. And it's interesting only because throughout Jesus' public ministry, he spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. In fact, during his ministry, Jesus very rarely spoke about heaven. But he spoke a lot about hell. And the simple reason for that was he didn't want anyone to go there. His desire was that all would come to salvation. And Jesus made it clear that if we don't come to him with our sin, our sin must be punished. And the only way for our sin to be punished is in the fires of hell. And Jesus often described hell as the place of torment, this unquenchable flame, the lake of fire. He, he called it a place where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's the place of out of darkness. The place where the fire is not quenched and not even the smallest worm can die. Because the truth that Jesus repeatedly presents is that hell is the place of eternal death. And a death which is eternal means that you are dying but never dead. You are dying but never dead. You are never free from the torment and the pain and the suffering and the horrors of hell. And my friend, I have asked you this before. But I will ask you again, where is hell? Where is hell? It's at the end of a Christless life. It's at the end of a Christless life. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Hell is at the end of a Christless life. But Jesus is saying to us, it doesn't have to be that way. Because the truth is, I am the remedy to your will. And when we are asking, Lord, how do I get to heaven? Jesus is saying, I am the truth. And because I am the truth, you must believe in me. I am the truth. And what I am telling you is the truth. It's the absolute truth. It's the absolute truth. But you know, I find one of the greatest problems which we have is that many people claim that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Because in our day and generation, the philosophy of postmodernism claims that absolute truth does not exist. And whether we are aware, aware of it or not, the philosophy of Postmodernism is everywhere in our nation today and throughout the world because the postmodern mindset says there is no such thing as absolute truth. All truth, it's relative. In other words, the postmodernist says about everything and about anything. Well, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. 
Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And for the postmodernist, there's no such thing as absolute truth. They reject anything which claims to hold absolute truth. They reject anything which claims to be inerrant. That's the Bible's claim. It claims to be inerrant. And the Bible claims that God is absolute truth. But the postmodernist dismisses God and God's word as something that has no real authority over mankind and no ability to show itself as true in a world of competing religions. Because in the mind of the postmodernist, we are meant to give equal respect to every other religion and every other ideology. Where the truth of the Bible is to be considered as well no more valid than any other truth of any other religion, even if they contradict one another. In the postmodern age we live in, no one is to have the right to claim that their religion is true and someone else's religion is false. They try and hold every religion and every faith and every cult on the same and they say that they're all correct they're all equally valid none of them are wrong all of them are right they're all equally true and you daren't impose your thought or religion upon anyone else and you know this is this root of postmodernism is where human rights and political correctness have stemmed from that no one is meant to say anyone else, say to anyone else that they are wrong. No one is meant to say that abortion is wrong. No one is meant to say that euthanasia is wrong. No one is meant to say that homosexuality is wrong. No one is meant to teach that marriage is between one man and one woman. Because for the postmodernist there is no absolute truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth, well it's my truth. And this is why many can claim that they are atheists. Because a postmodern society is not going to challenge you. No one is going to challenge your belief. No one is going to question you. Because if there is no absolute truth and all truth is relative, no one has the right and no one has the authority to say that there is a God or not. But obviously the inclination of mankind is to say that there is no God. Because in the mind of a postmodern world, who wants to be told what to do? Who wants to be told that they are wrong? Who wants to be told that they are sinners? Who wants to be told that they're going to hell? But the point which many postmodernists miss is that is that if they take their if they take their claims to a logical conclusion. If they say that there is no God and that there is no absolute truth, then everything is permissible. Everything is permissible. If God does not exist, everything is permissible. If there is no God and no absolute truth and there are no rules to live by and no moral law to follow, then we can do whatever we want. If your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. Then we can make it whatever we want to make it. And no one can tell you how to live. 
And that philosophy is completely destructive because no one has the right to tell you how to live. And the result is that we can choose to live for the moment. We can live and live as we please. We can, we can live according to the truth of our own imagination. Where we can freely worship the God of money, the God of popularity, the God of sex, the God of drugs, the God of gambling, the God of alcohol, the God of entertainment, where we can be entertained to death. We can be entertained to death. If there is no absolute truth, we can live as we please and we can do what we want. Because if God does not exist, everything is permissible. Everything. But, but my friend, you and I both know that God exists. God is real. And it doesn't matter how much we try to deny it or ignore it. It doesn't matter how much we suppress the truth. We know that he is, his truth is speaking to us. And we know deep down that because God exists, we are accountable to his truth. And his truth that is, that, is that when we die, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. And on that day, we will be measured against his truth. And we will stand and be judged by the one who is the absolute truth. Jesus Christ. And the truth we have been confronted with is that without knowing and accepting and believing in the truth, we cannot go to heaven. The absolute truth is that if we can't go to heaven, if we can't go to heaven, we are only fit for heaven. If we are not believing in the truth, we are only fit for heaven. But in this exclusive statement, Jesus is saying to us, I am the remedy to your wound. I am the cure to your corruption. I am the only way for you to be saved. And so when we come to Jesus and ask him, Lord, how do I get to heaven? Jesus is not only saying to us, I am the way. I am the only way. But he's also saying, I am the truth. I am the absolute truth. And because I am the truth, you must believe in me. And my friend, Jesus is, is the only way. If Jesus is the only way and if Jesus is the absolute truth, then what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? I am the way. I am the truth. But lastly, Jesus claims, I am the light. I am the Lamb. And once again, this statement from the lips of Jesus is an exclusive statement. Because Jesus is not only claiming that he is the only way to heaven, and he's not only asserting that he is the only truth worth believing, but Jesus is also affirming that he is the only life worth living. Because according to this exclusive claim, Jesus is stating that all other ways lead to death. And all other presentations of the truth 
lead to death. And so once again, when we ask Jesus, Lord, how do I get to heaven? He says, I am the light. I am the light. I am the only source of eternal life. And we know that Jesus has already said to us that he is the resurrection and the life. But here he presents to us the reason as to why we need Jesus as our source of life. Because we're all under the condemnation of death. And because of our sin we cannot escape death. It's an enemy which we must all face. And this is the curse that is upon us. The wages of sin is death. And this has been our problem. This has been our problem since the very beginning. Because before sin entered into the world, Adam and Eve, they enjoyed many privileges in their relationship with God. They enjoyed the way to God because they had constant communion with God. They knew the truth in God as it flowed from Him. And they possessed spiritual life from God. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and fell into sin, they lost all their privileges. They lost all the blessings. And instead of experiencing the way to God, they experienced alienation from God. Instead of knowing the truth, they fell into falsehood and error. Instead of possessing life, they began to know and experience death. This is our human condition. That we are alienated from God. We are ignorant of the truth and we are under the condemnation of physical and spiritual death. We are in a state of ruin. But what we see in this exclusive claim of Jesus is that he is the divine answer to our problem. He is that remedy to our ruin. Instead of because instead of alienation from God, Jesus is the way to God. Instead of ignorance and error, Jesus is the absolute truth. Instead of spiritual death, Jesus is the source of eternal life. But what we must see in this claim of Jesus is that he presents to us the glory of our gospel. Because the glory of the gospel is the promise of eternal life. It's the promise of new life. It's the promise of having your sins forgiven and being cleansed and being, being made completely new. It's the promise of being born again. And my friend, if this text is presenting anything to us, it's presenting the fact that we must all be born again. We must be born again. Because as Jesus says to us, except a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, except they be born again, they cannot, they will not. It is impossible for them to enter into the kingdom of God. Because I am the way, the truth and the life and no one, no one can come to the Father except through me. And this exclusive claim from Jesus, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. 
And although it may be offensive to all the other religions and sects and philosophies of this one, this claim of Jesus is an unchangeable reality. Because my friend Jesus doesn't say that he was the way. He doesn't say that he was the truth. He doesn't say that he was the life. He doesn't say that he only belongs to the past. He doesn't say that he was only relevant to previous generations and a bygone era who needed God and needed something to believe in. Jesus doesn't say that he's been overtaken by science and philosophy. No, no, no. Jesus declares to us and to this onlooking world that he is and he will always be until the end of time the way, the truth and the life. And for 2,000 years, the church has preached this exclusive claim of Jesus. Is that not what the Apostle Peter said to those who put Jesus to death? When he was speaking to them in Acts chapter 4, he said, Salvation is found in Jesus and in no other. There is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved, other than the name of Jesus. Because, my friend, the Bible tells us that it's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and in hell. Every knee will bow Every knee will bow. Every knee which has bowed before Allah. Every knee which has fallen down to Buddha. Every knee which has worshipped Mary. Every knee which has praised self and glorified man and exalted ego above the God of heaven. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. And my friend, that day is coming. That day is coming. But the question which we ought to ask tonight, with having the privilege of sitting under the truth of God's Word, is the simple question Lord, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus is saying to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one can get to heaven except through me. And as that 15th century German theologian Thomas Akempis wrote, Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. So my friend, if Jesus is the only way, and if Jesus is the absolute truth. And if Jesus is the only source of life, 
then what are you doing about it? May the Lord bless these things. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to Thee that this is our great privilege to know the way to heaven. And help us, Lord, to be thankful. To be thankful that the Lord, one who has revealed the way for us, and the Lord, one who has spoken to us tonight through, and help us, Lord, to heal, or to listen. For thy word says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that is our prayer tonight, that more would hear, more would listen, more would take heed. Take heed to the great gospel message. Bless us then, we pray. Bless us in the week that lies ahead, a week that is completely unknown to us, but it is known to thee, our great God. Cleanse us and do us good, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We shall conclude by singing in Psalm 86. Psalm 86 in the Scottish Psalter, page 341. Psalm 86, singing from verse 9 down to the verse marked 13. Psalm 86 from verse 9. All nations whom thou made shall come and worship reverently. Before thy face and thee, O Lord, thy name shall glorify. Because thou art exceeding great, and works by thee are done, which are to be admired, and thou art God thyself alone. Teach me thy way, and in thy truth, O Lord, then walk will I. Unite my heart, that I thy name may fear continually. O Lord, my God, with all my heart, to thee I will give praise, and I the glory will ascribe unto thy name always. Because thy mercy toward me in greatness doth excel, and thou delivered hast my soul out from the lowest hell. Shall sing these verses of Psalm 86. All nations whom thou made shall come and worship reverently to God's name.